It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 972 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, June the 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, of course. And you can also find all of the other Locked On shows covering the teams that you're interested in, the teams that you root for, the teams that you care about across the big four sports, as well as the NCAA. Uh, highly recommend you check them out. We'll actually be talking with a couple of our NCAA hosts next week as we dig into some of the draft prospects in the Raptors range at number four. We'll have Stephen Carr from Locked On Zags, the Gonzaga host on. We'll also have Cindy Robinson, who is a USC alum and the host of Locked On Pac-12, to talk about Evan Mobley, which will be a lot of fun. So go and check out those hosts if you want to get acquainted before they pop on the show next week. Today's show is brought to you, of course, by our friends over at Michelob Ultra at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment of the Week segment coming up later on in the episode. I have a feeling... You already know what the ultra moment of the week for the Raptors was this week. We'll get to that a little bit later on. All right, on today's show, it's a post-draft lottery mailbag edition of the podcast. I got a bunch of questions, a lot to do with the top part of the draft, but some other sort of interesting draft stuff as well. We're going to take the questions and we're going to have some fun with them. And we'll, uh, you know, we're going to continue the draft coverage throughout the next little while here. It's going to be pretty deep. We're going to have Dakota Schmidt on next week as well to talk about the G League Ignite Ignite guys in Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. We're going to have some potential trade idea episodes floating around there. We're going to dig into the guys even below where the Raptors are projected to be selecting. You know, Scotty Barnes, perhaps, Keon Johnson, those types of guys. Because you never know. The Raptors might reach. Guys always kind of soar up boards over the course of the last month before the draft. We'll see what kind of workouts are done and what's going on there. I mean, Keon Johnson yesterday set a, I believe, a combine record for vertical leap at like 48 inches, which is just insane. And so, you know, there will be those big workout dudes there will be those changes, those guys who are risers, the guys who are fallers. We're going to dig into all the prospects over the course of the next month here. And, uh, you know, we'll probably do too much due diligence and dig into too many guys and who are maybe have no, sh- no shot at following at number four. But that's okay. All right, let's uh, dig in here to your mailbag questions. Again, a lot of stuff to do with the fourth pick, potential trades, things like that. First question here comes from Matt Zemek, who asks, should the Raptors be happy with Green, Suggs, Mobley, no matter who is there at number four, or is there a real need to get one of those players in particular and therefore trade up to two or three? I am of the mind that the Raptors are in a pretty good spot here. Uh, look, I think you could probably 
depending on your evaluation, what you value. You could probably tier these guys any which way, honestly. Um, you know, Mobley seems to be the consensus number two, though Jalen Green, Green seems to be kind of, you know, inching on his heels a little bit and maybe sort of making a case there for number two. I mean, some of the reporting out of the athletics suggests that maybe the Pistons actually like Jalen Green enough to take him number one, which sounds a little crazy, and they should probably trade down if they're going to do that. But, um, you know, it, it seems like Suggs maybe is the, the the third guy in that tier of guys, but I don't really see a whole lot of distinction right now. It's hard to say. You know, I'll probably do a lot more in terms of digging over the next month or so and solidify my opinions, but... For me, I think the Raptors are in a good spot here where they can just kind of wait and see who falls to them. They don't have to make the decision as to who's better between those three guys. And yeah, I any one of those guys would be a wonderful fit. They all fit in positions of need for the Raptors right now. And obviously, you don't always want to be drafting for need in the draft. You want to take the best player available. It just so happens that the best players available might just fit the exact needs the Raptors have, which are a scoring guard who can help break down the the defense in a, in a half-court situation, who can maybe assume the number one role within a couple years, push everyone down the pecking order, or a center who fills in the void that was very clear last season and gives the Raptors a front court that will never, ever be scored on with OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Evan Mobley. All of them are good choices here. I'm totally fine with just hanging out, waiting at four, and seeing what falls to them. And again, not having to make the decision as to who is the better player and potentially looking silly in the in the future. You know, trading up to two or three, if the Raptors, you know, may, the Raptors probably have different calculus on this too, right? They probably have guys that they'll prioritize, and maybe they are so, so in on Evan Mobley that they feel they need to trade up to get their guy, considering... They're probably not going to be in this position again anytime soon where they have this pick, the leverage that this pick provides, the option this pick provides, the ability to attach stuff to the pick to move up and get the guy you need. You know, that that's totally possible. Maybe they view Mobley as being in a tier of his own as the number two prospect behind Cunningham. That's totally possible. I'm not in those front office meetings. But for me, just kind of from, uh, from an outsider perspective, a dumb dumb, not really knowing anything about prospects perspective, I think it's totally cool to just wait until one of those, those guys fall because they all fit our need for the Raptors and all seem like they'll fit in just fine. And I think there are arguments to be made even for Jalen Suggs ahead of Green and Mobley just as like a fit when you hear about the sort of dude he is, um, the sort of skills he does provide. He was like a 59% shooter on twos last season. Getting someone who can kind of get to the rim, break a defense down that way seems like kind of a need for the Raptors right now. And so I can talk myself into any one of these guys, and I'm sure I will talk myself into any one of these guys being my favorite for the Raptors by the time the draft comes around. But for now, I'm cool just kind of hanging out, waiting to see what happens, trusting in the Rockets and the Cavaliers to make poor picks, and the Raptors snagging whoever falls to them at four. And hey, they, they could also reach for one of these, someone who's not one of these three guys. Maybe they do like a Scotty Barnes or a Kaminga. You know, Kaminga was a top five prospect in this draft. He's kind of become more of that sort of sub top four tier now, just based on the general consensus. But we know the Raptors don't really care about general consensus in a lot of ways. And you could talk yourself into a six foot eight wing who had franchise changing potential sort of tied to him early in the draft process into being the pick at number four. I don't think that's crazy. Scotty Barnes seems like he's got a lot of upside as well and would be just a disgusting defender to pair with Ananobi and Siakam. So lots of different options there for the Raptors. And I don't think they'll be beholden to any sort of consensus board by any means once that pick comes up on draft night. 
Uh, let's continue on here. The next pick here comes from Freddie Revis. Next pick, next question. I got draft on the brain. Uh, Freddie asks, assuming the Raptors keep their pick, how does the franchise ensure good chemistry with a lottery guy coming in that might have higher expectations than, say, a late-round draft pick in terms of playing time role on the team? It's a very good question. I think you kind of do that by throwing the ring on the table, honestly. <laughs> you know, do the Pat Riley. And, you know, I feel like a guy coming in and realizing, oh, I'm not taking over a team that is destitute and that has been in the lottery for many, many years and will still be in the lottery for many, many years. I'm coming into a team that has, you know, a lot of remnants of the championship team from just a couple years ago, guys who have been there, guys who have made a ton of money from low spots in the draft. It feels like an environment where a rookie is going to come in and there's going to be like a, an instant respect there, probably an instant sort of understanding of, oh yeah, I can't just come in here and be the number one top dog right away. And ultimately that will probably be better for my long-term future than if I were thrust into a role that I wasn't quite ready for just yet. You know, whoever this guy is, is going to come in and is not going to be asked to carry the load all in, all in one shot, all on his own shoulders. And that I think should be something you want if you are, you know, looking at long-term career success and you're trying to sort of build yourself up and, you know, you want a fast track to success as well. Whoever this pick is, I would imagine within two or three years probably assumes the top dog role in the team if things go accordingly to plan, but it doesn't have to be like that right from the start. And I feel like just the institutional sort of gravitas that the Raptors have and the success they've had, their ability to turn guys who've been drafted into something more than they were at the time of being drafted, uh, I think that will kind of speak for itself. And whoever ends up getting picked by the Raptors, I think will sort of see that and say, all right, uh, I'm just going to assume my role here and not really complain about not having a 30% usage because ultimately, you know, my, my efficiency will be better off for it and a, a whole bunch of other things. So it's a very good question. I think the Raptors are very well suited to bring in a guy who, um, you know, is typically used to being the number one option on their team and has been the best player on every team they've been on growing up. And they'll probably be the best player on the team within a couple years, but it doesn't have to be that way right away. And I think the Raptors will do a good job of sort of establishing that from day one. We're going to get to more of your questions in a second here, but first it's time to get into the Michelob Ultra moment of the week. And we're talking about joy. We're talking about happiness. We're talking about enjoyment. And I don't know how anything could be the Michelob Ultra moment of the week providing all of those things more than the Raptors moving up to number four in the draft lottery. That sort of excitement of seeing them not come up at seven. First of all, not seeing them come up at eight, realizing they hadn't dropped, which was great. And then them not coming up at seven and realizing, oh, they've climbed here. And that commercial, that long, seemingly eight minute long commercial between the top, uh, I guess the, the 14th through fifth picks being revealed all the way you know, the, the, bringing you into the top four being revealed, the possibilities of like thinking about, oh my God, did they actually get Cade Cunningham? What does this mean? Are they going to be contenders within two years once again? Like this is unbelievable. Th that was a really fun feeling. And yes, it might've been a slight letdown for them to finish fourth after sort of building it up in your head that they might be number one for again, seemingly eight minutes. But 
still a wonderful, wonderful feeling to realize the Raptors had moved up in their one shot in a long time to move up and probably their last shot for a long time as well. It's a great stroke of luck, and it is your Michelob Ultra moment of the week. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Michelob Ultra creates joy. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game with Michelob Ultra. Thank you to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we continue on into more of your mailbag questions, uh, just a heads up that, of course, our uh, Road to the Finals on the Locked On Podcast Network is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. We can all enjoy the playoff games a little bit more this season with Michelob Ultra at just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Go and check out the other podcasts covering the team still in the postseason. Locked On Hawks, I'm sure, is a banger today after Trey Young's 48 points in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Go check it out on the Road to the Finals, brought to you by Michelob ultra all right let's continue on here we got some more questions to dig into uh this one comes from uh chuck hayes fan club at chuck hayes fan 44 uh the question is raptors trade the fourth overall pick and salary for orlando's fifth eighth and uh, wendell carter jr is this a realistic and b a good trade for either team uh, funny enough, we had a chat about this, myself and Philip Rossman Reich, the host of Locked On Magic. We were kicking around in the DMs the idea of the Raptors trading back. And this was spawned by, in our Locked On mock draft that we're doing right now, we're doing one that now the uh, order's been set, uh, sort of a fourth edition that we're doing. I took Jalen Suggs for the Raptors, and Philip Rossman Reich behind me was very upset about that because he wanted Jalen Suggs on the Magic. I believe when we did the exercise a couple weeks ago, the Magic ended up number two, and Jalen Suggs was the pick for Philip there as well. The Magic, of course, are very much in a rebuild, and yes, it seems like, as Blake Murphy pointed out in his post-lottery recap, Jonathan Kaminga feels like a real Magic-ass pick at number five. Uh, Scotty Barnes, I guess, kind of falls into that too. Long dudes who maybe will never figure out offense. That feels exactly like the Orlando Magic. But maybe they want some guard help. Maybe they are super keen on getting up and getting one of the Jalens in the draft. And maybe they're willing to use that fifth and eighth pick to move up. You know, we've seen teams in the past trade up in the draft and use future first to move up. Orlando, it might seem like a bit of a worse deal to give two picks in this year's draft up for one pick. But... You know, maybe if it sort of consolidates their rebuild a little bit and they have a guy to sort of build things around going forward who can have the ball in his hands, who can, you know, relieve the dependence on Markel Fultz, which is something I don't think you ever want to be uttering, we're dependent on Markel Fultz. Um, You know, I I think there's, there's something there. And... We were kicking around the idea, and Philip is not at all opposed to the to the idea of Orlando using both of those picks to move up. If there's their guy there, if you have your guy, I mean, the Magic have gone how long without getting their guy? 
I could understand if they wanted to mix those picks together into a package. Wendell Carter Jr., I'm not sure. You know, he seems like he really kind of found his footing in Orlando down the stretch of the season. It'd be cool to add him as, as well. I think he's someone the Raptors could do a lot of work with. But, you know, even if it's just like an extra player thrown in, you know, <laughs> Philip was after my heart and suggested Terrence Ross being thrown into the deal. Um, he might be a little bit too expensive to make it work. But, um, you know, even just those two picks for four, maybe the Raptors throw in a second from this year to kind of balance things out a little bit. I don't think it's crazy and something that I think the Raptors will certainly look at. Obviously, you know, there's the other side of the coin, which is do the Raptors want to trade out of that spot themselves? Because this is their shot that they haven't had in a long time at a franchise talent. And, you know, maybe your mileage varies on whether one of the Jalen's or Evan Mobley is in fact a franchise talent or a very, very good piece to add to the future with a little bit more uncertainty tied to it than say a Kate, Kate Cunningham. But I think, you know, it'll be a thing to weigh from both sides. For me, I think if the Raptors are offered that deal, they probably take it and, you know, probably take a Scotty Barnes or a Kaminga at number five and then go and take a guard like a Keon Johnson at eight and kind of get both of their needs filled a little bit. You know, there's not really a center to take there, but you can find centers other ways. And if you're using a couple picks on young prospects, maybe that means Kyle Lowry's on the way out just because of the lack of playing time, frankly. And, you know, you want to sort of invest time and energy into those young guys to develop them as quickly as possible. And maybe that leaves you cap space to add a center that way. But yeah, I think that Orlando possibility is certainly there. And we will definitely be doing a podcast about it over the course of the next month with Philip to kind of dive into the machinations of that and uh, see if it does work as a good trade for either side. Next question here comes from uh, at DePaul131. He asks uh, three questions. If Suggs is drafted, does that spell the end of Kyle Lowry? I think, yeah. I, I mean, Maybe not. It's tough to say. We talked about this on the Reaction Podcast after the lottery results were in with Vivek and how we thought the Lowry situation is even murkier now because of the move up to fourth and it kind of just leaves a lot more unanswered than anything else. You know, I could talk myself into keeping Lowry for a year or two, bringing Suggs in and having Suggs work as sort of a backup originally, maybe uh, you know, not really kind of moving him up the, the depth chart right away and, and sort of making him earn that spot behind Fred and Kyle, who were teaching him the ways. But then you also have Malachi Flynn there to sort of keep in mind, and Gary Trent as well, that becomes a pretty loaded and stuffed backcourt. And the Raptors aren't exactly uh, afraid of playing multi-guard lineups. You know, we could certainly see the Raptors roll out a, you know, Lowry-Suggs-Van Vliet lineup, get crazy and do a, a Lowry-Suggs-Van Vliet-Flynn lineup with, like, OG playing center. It gets super weird. Why the hell not? Um, you know, that could be a possibility. But yeah, if it is a guard who's drafted, it does kind of make things a little trickier, I think. If Jalen Green is drafted, this is the second question from DePaul, is Jaylen, if Jalen Green is drafted, do you re-sign Kyle? I think Green kind of falls into the Suggs boat a little bit. I know Suggs is more of a pure point guard, and that's sort of his main position, but he's also like six foot five and would probably slot in as the two guard for the Raptors the way Jalen Green would. I, you know, whatever the pick is, I'm looking long and hard at re signing Kyle if it's doable and if there aren't really any options out there at center. I, I, this kind of goes to what I was saying on the podcast before. If the Raptors take Evan Mobley, I think the likelihood that Lowry's back is even higher just because that two-guard spot is not filled in with someone you're trying to get minutes to. And so maybe that makes it a little bit easier. You can have Mobley kind of learn the ropes with Kyle Lowry as a point guard, sort of making it easier on him as he goes. I don't hate that idea whatsoever, but 
Yeah, the, if someone's drafted into the backcourt, I think that decreases the chance Kyle's back just because there's only so many minutes to go around. Uh, and maybe that affects like Gary Trent's free agency. Maybe that makes the Raptors a little bit less keen on, you know, throwing the book at him and giving him the, the biggest offer they can. And maybe they're okay with the idea of an offer sheet prying him away. That's all hypothetical and I'm just speculating. But yeah, the, the guard, if the guard is drafted, that will certainly kind of complicate things a little bit in the backcourt situation as it relates to Lowry. The last one from DePaul here is of all the Toronto is all they quote Toronto is the most likely Ben Simmons Ben Simmons landing spot takes which trade makes realistic sense for all involved what goes the other way not the fourth round the fourth overall pick I'd imagine yeah so uh, look Ben Simmons is a very difficult person to talk about I think Ben Simmons has very very extreme weaknesses that absolutely limit his utility as a high leverage player in the postseason. I also think Ben Simmons has a lot of things that are going for him. He's an unbelievable defender. He's six foot freaking 10, and he's a great passer. Out in transition, he's unbelievable. Thinking about the concept of like a Simmons Pascal Siakam fast break is truly terrifying. Do I look at the fourth pick and, and view that as something that's worth trading for Ben Simmons? Absolutely not. There's just no way. <laughs> like the fourth pick in theory, is going to get you someone who does not have those debilitating weaknesses in the postseason. And I'm just not sure you're you're really getting the, value, the bang for your buck with that fourth pick to just throw it in a trade for Ben Simmons. You know, I think there was like a thing floating out there. And look, all these fake trades from Instagram posts are, you know, difficult to kind of hammer down. But I think one idea I saw was like Lowry plus four for Simmons in a sign-in trade. And there's just like no way. You're not using the best asset you've had in a very long time to go get a guy who is very severely depreciated in terms of his value. Now, if you wanted to tell me that the Raptors take a Jalen Suggs, for example, in the draft, and they filled that backcourt spot, and it becomes clear that Kyle maybe doesn't fit into the future plans, maybe they're just okay with it, maybe it's a mutual parting of the ways, and Kyle realizes there's greener pastures elsewhere to go chase a title, maybe in Philadelphia, I could see something like a... Kyle and, you know, throw in some like maybe a second rounder from this year and then like a future protected first down the line. That's kind of the extent I'd be willing to go for Simmons. And I feel like the Sixers can probably get better than that. Maybe you can sort of throw in like a Chris Boucher or something like that. If you really feel like you want Ben Simmons, I just don't really see it all that much. It just if you're getting if you're getting Simmons on a buy low, then you do it. But if you are paying like top dollar, if you're paying, if you're not paying less than 75 cents on the dollar, frankly, I don't really see the point of it because it's a difficult thing to make it work. That said, if you're able to make it work on a buy low with Lowry plus a future asset, maybe some other roster player just to kind of sweeten the pot a little bit, maybe there's something there where you can bring in Simmons and have him play the five. And you know, there is something pretty enticing about that. You know, you run a Simmons Siakam pick and roll you know, send two to the ball on Siakam and you're passing it off to Simmons and he's got open court to work with. Same would work with a Suggs or a Fred Van Vliet running a pick and roll with Simmons. You know, seeing two on the ball really opens up that interesting four on three situation for Ben Simmons. It's just very specific situations that Ben Simmons is going to work in, right? Like he's not someone you're going to give the ball to and have be your number one option, you know, sort of bringing the ball up the floor, running your half court sets. That seems like a way to, you know, run into the same problems the Sixers have had in the half court. And the Raptors, the last thing they need are more problems in the half court. I think there's 
some utility there. Again, the center situation, you know, maybe that's the solution. You kind of go all in on, you know, Siakam, OG, Simmons as your, you know, three, four, five, and you have an unbelievable defense that way. You have Suggs and Van Vliet in the backcourt. You got Flynn, Trent, Birch off the bench. That kind of looks like a pretty good team, but that requires the Sixers to want to give up Ben Simmons, who is their real only path to improvement right now because of all the sort of corners they've painted themselves into. And they're probably going to look for something a little bit better. And, you know, do I think Kyle Lowry is like a better, more win-ready player than like a CJ McCollum? Yes, but also he's like six years older. And that's going to be part of the calculus here, too. And I can see the Sixers wanting to go elsewhere with their resources and the one big trade chip who, yes, has severely depreciated value. But they really have to turn him into something that can help them right now. And as much as I think Kyle really could, I wonder if they try to go for a bit of a sexier, sort of younger, maybe higher upside option than Kyle Lowry at 35, 36. But yeah, if you can get Ben Simmons on a buy low, I don't hate it. But any you know notion that the fourth overall pick could be included in the deal for Ben Simmons is absolutely, absolutely asinine and clearly coming from someone who did not just watch the playoffs. We got more mailbag questions to round things out coming up in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Why would you spend to choose 30, 50, even 100% more for the same exact parts at a chain store or a car dealership when you can go to rockauto.com? They're saving you money and they are really like on your side when you go to the mechanic, you're feeling down, you're feeling anxious because you have to pay a bunch of money for your car. Well, guess what? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto, auto parts customers online for 20 years and they are giving you reliably low prices for every customers, whether you're every customer, whether you're a professional or do it yourself or go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write lots Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. You've got baseball season in full swing. The NBA draft's coming up. NHL playoffs are moving closer to the Stanley Cup finals. You've got the NBA finals on tap very soon as well. Plenty of stuff to throw your money down on. And before the next game, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all their great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, just a couple more listener questions here before we round this thing out. This one comes from Craig Edmonds. He asks, if the Raptors were to trade the number four overall pick with stuff, would they be wanting a top-tier player in return? And are any of these realistic targets? Bradley Beal, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Carl Anthony Towns, DeMontis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Brandon Ingram, or someone else I haven't mentioned? So, yeah, I'm thinking the Raptors want a top-tier player in return. In particular, I think they probably want a top-tier perimeter scorer in return because that is the one thing they're severely lacking. And the one thing that these playoffs have proven is maybe the most important thing in the modern NBA with offense kind of going off as it has, defense being less and less sort of able to slow things down. You need perimeter shot-making. You need perimeter scorers, guys who can create their own shot. And so, yeah, I think if there's a deal out there, as we talked about with Vivek a couple days ago, Bradley Beal, Shea Gilders-Alexander, exactly the types of guys you're looking at. You know, Beal is a little bit tricky because his contract is up potentially as early as next year, and he's got the option for $37 million for the season after. 
probably going to turn that down, I would guess. Maybe the cap doesn't go up or whatever, and it kind of changes the calculus there. But that's certainly uh, a guy that would fit that need. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a little bit younger, a little bit more in the timeline, and has a lot more sort of room to grow as well. And I can only imagine how efficient and deadly he'll be playing with good players and not Alexei Pokashevsky, who is fun, but also what the hell is that guy? He is bizarre and strange and 18 years old and looks like a stick man. Um, the other guys here, look, a couple I'm not really in on. You know, DeMontis Sabonis is nice, totally fine player. I don't think you're trading the fourth overall pick for DeMontis Sabonis. There are limitations there defensively, limitations with the spacing he provides, and I just don't, don't think that's quite the move, even though he's a very good player. De'Aaron Fox, I can't see the Kings moving on from, frankly, because Tyrese Halliburton's there, and they get another top 10 pick this season in what is a pretty good draft, and I could totally see the, the, the Kings kind of figuring things out here around Fox and Halliburton, even though they're run by a moron coach and an owner who doesn't seem to have a clue. They have good enough players, and De'Aaron Fox is not near the sort of you know, pre-agency that a lot of these guys get to. He's still got like three or four years left on his contract. So I don't see that being an option. Brandon Ingram is interesting, although I think his defensive limitations, like I think he's just probably a bit of a cut below where you want to trade that pick for if you are going to package that pick in a big deal to make a big swing. And so, yeah, I don't see Ingram being the option there. Carl Anthony Towns is like the white whale. It's the dream. I think people are way too low on Carl Anthony Towns. I think he is maybe the most underrated player in basketball. He's already maybe the best shooting big man of all time, better than Dirk Nowitzki, literally. And he's basically unstoppable as a scorer. He also has not really had any sort of defensive infrastructure and has had new coaches basically every year. It's been all over the place for Cat. And I think he'd be a fantastic fit. A front court of Ananobi, Siakam, Carl Anthony Towns would be truly disgusting. But I don't think the Wolves are dumb enough to do that. I think they need to see this thing out with Anthony Edwards. It sucks that they didn't get a pick this year to kind of add to their core of talent, but the Edwards-Towns partnership was so promising at the end of the year, and Towns has like four years left on his contract. There's no need to force this, and even if Cat says, I want out, there's no need to really cede to those demands, frankly, because he's got not much leverage. There's so many years left on that deal. I don't see that being really an option just yet. Maybe a year or two from now, if things continue to go off the rails, but right now, I don't really see that being an option. Maybe a year from now, you can trade the guy you picked fourth overall in a package for cap, but right now, I don't really see it. But yeah, if they are going to trade that pick, it's going to be for a top tier player. It's not going to be for extra assets. It's not going to be for, you know, sort of a, a combination of okay players like the vet kind of tossed out in the Brogdon and Sabonis idea or Brogdon and Turner idea he, he, he kicked around on uh, Wednesday night's podcast or Wednesday morning's podcast. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't think it's likely this pick gets moved. Frankly, it's difficult to make these trades happen. Stars that are worth trading that pick for are not easy to come by, and there will be other teams surely jockeying for position in those sweepstakes as well if they are on the market. So I would err on the side of I don't think they, they trade that number four pick, but if they are going to do it, it's going to be for a damn good player in return, which is, I guess, a, a, a comforting feeling. Last one here. This, one, this is from Jeff Berg, kind of in the same vein. Raptors pick for Christian Wood and a pick swap next year. What say you? I'm not doing that. Um, Christian Wood's a nice player for sure. I don't know if he's like a winning player on a very good team. He put up some excellent numbers on a shit Rockets team this year. 
I don't know if you want to be taking on that contract and then sort of locking yourself into a core of Van Vliet, Wood, Siakam, and Anobi. Feels like there'd be some defensive issues there, you know, lack of rim protection, things like that. Wood's a great player, but it, you kind of already have a version of Wood and Pascal Siakam, and I don't really see that being worth moving on from, again, the best pick the Raptors have had or probably will have for a very, very long time here. Uh, last one, we'll, we got one more time, time for one more here. And this one, my answer to this question will change probably by the week. As of right now, a uh, question comes from Six Dog, a very basic one, but between the Jays, Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs, which one would you prefer the Raptors take? At the moment, I think I'm still Jalen Green hive. I think his shot creation is just so dynamic, and I think he is the most likely of the two Jalens to you know, assuredly assume that number one scoring role if he were to join the Raptors. I think, you know, it just, it's, he seems like he's got that knack. And even if he's not a great playmaker right now, which is the thing that still needs to be worked on there, the thing that Suggs is way ahead of in that department, I, I think the fact that Jalen Green just has that shot making and has the creation, I mean, I was watching some clips of him and like the step back moves he has, the way he can, can create separation, it's just fantastic. And You know, it's hard not to see shades of like Devin Booker as you're watching the playoffs and thinking, okay, what could this guy be three, four, five years down the line in terms of a fully functioning three-level scorer that maybe Suggs is not quite there just yet with the three-point shooting, which of course is the biggest question with him right now. He was like 34% in college. You know, I'm still a big fan of the two-point shooting with Jalen Suggs and the fact that um, he seems to be kind of a gamer and a bit of a badass and kind of, you know, a good type of lunatic. But for now, I think I'm a Jalen Green guy, but I am very, very in on all these guys, frankly, and I'm not going to be disappointed whichever way it goes. I think Jalen Suggs looks like he's going to be awesome, and uh, if that's the pick, I'm totally comfortable with that. But at the moment, I think I'm leaning Jalen Green just for that pure shot making because that is clearly what the Raptors have lacked for the last couple years ever since Kawhi Leonard left. They've been trying to figure it out with Pascal Siakam. It's not quite there, and so yeah, I am Jalen Green over Suggs at the moment, but again, it's picking between very good options. And so it's like picking between Moderna and Pfizer, both excellent. You should get both. Uh, but if you can only get one, there's really not a, a decision to make there. It's, it's just like, a, you know, I think everyone's going to have their own personal preference thing as well, too, with Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs. I think, you know, some people might prefer the defense that Suggs provides. Some people might prefer the, sh- the, the shooting that Jalen Green already has. Um, it's a personal preference, sort of pick your poison type of thing. Although the poisons are both very, very good poisons that make you feel wonderful inside. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank everyone for sending in all the great mailbag questions on the draft. Uh, we'll do more of these episodes, of course, over the next month or so. We'll dig into uh, the later parts of the draft, too, the second rounders. The Raptors have two second rounders, which is easy to forget. That's exciting. And we'll dig into some fun second round prospects, maybe some fun end of the first round prospects if they're able to package those two picks together maybe move up into the back part of the first round as well we'll do full deep dives far more preparation than you'll ever need for draft night over the next month or so and uh we'll continue to do mailbags as well coming up in the next few days of podcasts uh unsure of what tomorrow's going to be just yet but Next week, we're going to be digging in deep to the, the, the main prospects who the Raptors are going to be looking at. We're going to look at the G League Ignite guys, Kaminga and Green with Dakota Schmidt. We're going to talk with Cindy Robinson of Pac-12, uh, Locked On Pack 12 about uh, Evan Mobley. And we're going to talk with Stephen Carr of Locked On Zags about Jalen Suggs. That is the week you have to look forward to next week, which is very, very exciting. Um, that'll do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
We'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. In the meantime, go and uh, you know subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Please go and watch my new show, CEBL Weekly, on CEBL Plus uh, as the Canadian Elite Basketball League gets rolling tonight as well with their first game, Ottawa against Niagara. That should be a blast. And uh, also consider donating to an Indigenous charity as more unmarked graves were found today at a former residential school site outside of Regina. Over 600 children's bodies which is absolutely crushing and devastating and it's something we can't stop talking about you can't reckon with it if you don't discuss it and reckon with it in the present you can't talk talk about it as though it's something that's in the past some footnote to canadian history when it's actively still going on and has yet to be resolved so um that'll be how i leave this one off it's very disappointing stuff and A week from now is Canada Day, and if you're celebrating Canada Day a week from now, maybe give your head a shake, because not much to celebrate. Um, That'll do it. I'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.